Hey, how's it going, everybody? My name is Buzzy Sullivan, and I am a member of the photography faculty here at Chandler Gilbert Community College, and I just want to say thank you for tuning in and listening to the absolute very first episode of Who's You, the visual and performing arts podcast from Chandler Gilbert Community College. This podcast is going to be an inside look where we interview creative professionals so that you can get an idea of what it looks like to pursue an education and a career in the arts. So without waiting a moment longer, let's dive into an interview with Phoenix-based dancer and educator and just all-around amazing person, Nicole Olson. Hi, Nicole. How are you? Hi, I'm well. Thank you. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. So let's jump into this. Okay. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit about your professional life? Sure. Um, well, I have my teaching life and then my my professional artist life. So um, I am the artistic director of Nicole Olson Movement Chaos. Uh, we are a pickup company that mostly does site-specific and public art throughout the community and nationally. Um, I have had the company for about five years. I have a small group of dancers that kind of flow in and out, especially now that we've gone through, um, you know, the pandemic, everything's been a little bit more interesting. Um, as far as performance goes, uh, I was a soloist with Center Dance Ensemble, which folded in 2019. Um, I also am the artistic, uh, associate artistic director for Scorpius Dance Theater, and I am an independent contractor who gets hired up by different choreographers. Um, on this, on another end of things, I also do choreography for specific uh, theater companies here in town. Um, I've worked for Phoenix Theater and for Phoenix Community College and for Stray Cat. You have you must be like the most boring person in the world. You don't have yeah, you anything know. <laughs> to do. You have a lot of downtime, huh? I get bored very easily. So <laughs> <laughs> you 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 have a full schedule. Can you tell me a little bit how your training as an artist helped you prepare for your career? Sure. Um, so I started taking dance um, when I would was about a tween is when I really started my real training um, at Milwaukee Ballet School. Uh, so my training is mostly in classical ballet and classical jazz um, because we didn't come from a situation where there was a ton of money. Um, actually, there was no money. So everything needed to be through scholarship and work study. Um, I worked, I, excuse me, I, I figured out a really, really great work ethic doing that. Um, earned scholarships to go to college. I went to the University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point where I have a double major in ballet and in modern, uh, BFA. And then I moved to Chicago and started, you know, the starving artist, you know, <laughs> where I was waiting tables and working as a barista and had a scholarship at a dance school down there. So my classes were free and then just started auditioning. Um, through a very, very long story that's not worth getting into, I ended up here in Phoenix and have been, you know, doing that hustle for the last 21 years. I think anytime I talk to somebody that, that identifies as an artist, I just assume that they have a, a very strong work ethic. I don't think that you can have, like, any longevity in the arts with no work ethic. I completely agree yeah. with you. Um, one of the things I always tell my students is that um, the difference between starving artists and working artists is that working artists work. Yeah. <laughs> and they work all the time and not necessarily just in their craft. Yeah. Um, it's, it's creating their community and figuring out the business of art, which is its own entity in itself, and you know, so on and so forth, trying to figure out how to navigate 
in the appropriate way. Yeah. 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 So it sounds like you're kind of balancing two careers. Pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) Um, do the, are there areas where those careers converge or, or, or diverge from each other? Sure. Um, not, not probably in the ways that you would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, with my work in the community, I'm able to meet particular people who work within the community that I am able to then have my students perform at their venues. Um, A Phoenix art museum has been a big one. Who's been a big supporter of my work. And then henceforth also the work at metropolitan arts Institute um, in, in kind of making those channels and those commitments, um, which then leads to even more, you know, work begets work and, and the people that you meet, you keep in touch with and, and it just kind of goes from there. The other part is that my about 50% of the dancers that I use that I hire for my projects are my former students, um, whether they be from Metropolitan Arts Institute, we call it Metro Arts, um, whether they be at Metro Arts or I have one that uh, studied at Ballet Arizona with me um, and others here and there. And so it just, it, it just kind of feeds itself into my other career. Sure. Yeah. Awesome. Do you ever feel like one of your careers takes away from the other, or do you feel like you have you've struck a balance? Um, I, you know, up until COVID hit, I thought yeah. I struck a really yeah. good balance. Um, <laughs> you know, I, you know, I think I think we're all learning to navigate yeah. what that looks like now. But up until then, you know, I I've been running the dance department at Metro Arts for 15 years now, and I think most educators would say that after several years, you build the department not only as a working unit, but what also works best for you so that it's more streamlined, um, so that hills and valleys aren't as disruptive, you know, as they are in the beginning when we first start. Um, so in that manner, I was able to have a fully running machine on the education end of things, and then being able to put in that time and energy, um, into my professional career. Um, I would say that my school, my administration is fully supportive of those of us who have full-time professional careers outside sure. of, of our teaching careers. Um, so that support is immense. My husband is greatly supportive, which is amazing. Um, <laughs> he is also an artist, so that kind of helps that he understands that I don't have a standard nine to five, and oftentimes I will be gone Um randomly throughout the day for different projects and different things I need to go and, and performance, you know, opportunities and traveling. And, and so I, I think having the personal life and the professional teaching life helps to me to balance out sure. that, but I keep a very, very clear planner. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always feel like in my, in my own existence, like I'm more productive when I'm also teaching. I'm more productive mm-hmm. in my art practice mm-hmm. if I'm also teaching. When I have too much too much time to focus on one or the other, it kind of just starts going downhill. Yeah, so. I, I would agree. And I think that a, a lot of artists would say that staying busy is what keeps them creative. Totally. Um, I, I don't know how to deal with downtime. Yeah. <laughs> All that well, you know, but if I look back, my entire life has been geared that way. I've never really 
had downtime. Um, I don't know what to do with myself when I'm home at four 30 in the afternoon and, and I have nothing to do yep. for days and days and days. <laughs> I, you know, that, that, um, that seems disruptive sure. to my happiness at yeah, this yeah. point in time. <laughs> for sure. For sure. I think, um, one thing, you know, how I was introduced to you was, I think that you have a pretty long history of working collaboratively with visual artists. Yeah. Um, and obviously you're, you also collaborate with musicians. Can you talk about that work and why you, why it is important to you to sure. work interdisciplinary? Um, I, I didn't necessarily set out to do a ton of collaborative work in, in, if we're going to use that term, um, I think it had more to do with the fact that I started looking for alternative spaces for dance to be presented here in the Valley. Um, after living in Chicago and living in, you know, in and around Milwaukee, um, the two art scenes there, that, that was much more prevalent back there um, mm -hmm. to have dance be seen a little more outside of the typical proscenium of our stage. Um, so when I really started focusing on my own work out here and, and not necessarily dancing other people's choreography. Um, I looked at the different venues and understanding that a lot of the dance community here at that time was very, very focused on needing to be on a big stage in a big theater. And I, you know, always questioned why, why can't we be performing on this rooftop? Why can't we be in the art museum? Why can't we be in these places? So, um, along with another, um, colleague and very, very close friend of mine, Liliana Gomez, uh, we kind of made that uh, commitment to the community that we were going to start meeting people outside of just the dance community and, and really kind of uh, navigating ourselves throughout all of the art community and going to events uh, that, you know, the separation of the arts, I think, is silly, <laughs> I mean, for lack of, you sure. know... A, a better word. Um, I, I think that that we have so much more in common than we don't. So figuring out like where to do these things and how to do these things um, kind of started opening doors for those who allowed us. And then they realized that dance creates an event inside an event. So let's say there's a first Friday opening going on and then you have... Uh, dance occurring at seven and eight o'clock. Um, it's amazing how people will then converge on that and then go back into whatever it is they're doing. And I think that a lot of um, organizations here in the Valley saw that as yeah. a plus, which it absolutely is, you know, and bringing in different people to those events, you know, here again, totally. it, that work begets work. So you, you see how um, this fluctuation of people in and out actually benefits all parties involved. And, um, and dance is kind of known as the stepchild of the art world, you know. So the more that people see dance and don't consider it elitist, uh, the better it's going to be for the community at large. So that then also led to me um, working with other organizations that were more performative, um, I have, I'm preparing right now to set my sixth piece for Canal Convergence with Scottsdale oh, cool. Public Art, um, which has been an amazing, amazing journey with them. Wow. And 
love doing it, and I will be speaking with new collaborators soon that unfortunately I can't mention right now because yeah. it's it's still <laughs> yeah contract is still yeah. being written. Um, but uh, yeah, I just just had those wonderful opportunities. So because of all of that, that led to meeting these other artists and them being able to see how we can be in an alternative space. Patricia Sanitz, who I have probably worked with the most uh-huh. um, here in the Valley, uh, reached out to me because I met her at an event um, at Grand Art House. Um, we were performing. She was presenting work. And uh, we just kind of started a very, very small conversation. And then she had her her work being presented at Phoenix Art Museum. I had a good relationship with them at the time. She reached out to me, said, I'd love to see you perform this before the work comes down. That was three weeks before it was it was exiting the yeah. premises. And and I said, well, I can probably create a solo in that. I can't do much more other than that. And uh, she said, great. She reached out to Phoenix Art Museum, and we ended up having a few hundred people show up for the event on that final Sunday. And that just then opened the door for Patricia and I to work more and more together. So That's yeah. great. Yeah. I love that idea. I mean, I love the idea that, um, or I don't love the idea that, our, you know, there has been this history of arts, the arts working in silos, mm-hmm, right? And mm-hmm. not having a lot of overlap. And um, I, just, I just think that it's a beautiful thing that you've like, you've created this community and uh, you're really engaging this community and you're growing a community, mm. right? Yeah, well, and, and helping the community helps me, yeah. helps my students, oh, yeah, helps yeah. everyone totally. else. You know, I mean, so I... I have some pretty strong opinions about artists and the art community, and <laughs> as you can probably imagine. Um, but uh, I, I don't understand how we can think that others outside of the community can support us when we can't even support one another. Yeah. So when we create that buzz ourselves, we grow, and then people are attracted to it and then come in and see what is happening. You know, any opportunity I have to show dance to people who might not have ever experienced it for whatever reason um, is an opportunity for them to possibly really love it. Totally. And then go and see more dance. And then, you know, if I'm collaborating, then maybe they will see other kinds of art also. So it just just expands um, our our, you know, horizons, I guess, you know, to, to opening new doors and getting the arts scene, which there isn't an artist in the United States who won't say that that is what they want to be seen, to, to have those acknowledgements, which then hopefully will lead to funding, which is a whole other conversation, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it's true. I mean, you know, a gallery or a theater are not the only places to see the arts, right? No. Sometimes our sometimes our job is to bring arts to the people. Yes. As mm-hmm. opposed to the people come to the arts. Well, because it's not working so well the it's other not, way. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, you know... Um, it excludes. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, and when people feel excluded, then they don't feel welcomed yep. um, to come into a new space and to understand, to be able to talk to the artists about what they're doing, what that looks like, mm-hmm. and... Um, and that their opinions and acknowledgement of the work is valid. Yeah. And yeah. and when we break down those barriers, everyone wins. Totally. So. Awesome. <laughs> so I think something that came out of our conversation that we had mm-hmm. before this interview was 
you told me about the importance of the mentor mentee relationship yeah. in dance. And I think that like, I mean, that has been resonate, that has resonated with me so much. I've thought about it so much since last time we oh, spoke. Cool. <laughs> and, uh, can you just give our listeners a little bit of an idea of what that mentor-mentee relationship in dance looks like and how it's played out in your life both on both sides of the relationship? Sure, absolutely. So um, one of the great things about dance is that a lot of artists start at a very, very young age. And so in most studios or professional dance schools, there is a automatic mentor-mentee mentality that goes in. So younger students learn from watching the older students because they're openly exposed to them. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if we if we often use the words mentor and mentee, <laughs> but it just is an unspoken event that occurs. And it isn't really until we get older where we start really um, attaching ourselves to, to that, um, that verbal acknowledgement of what it is. Um, so... We see that, and these kids know that you know if you're five and and you're you know doing your five year old dance, uh, there's going to be another child who is ten and another child who is fifteen and another child who's getting ready to graduate, that they watch them. They watch their process, they watch how that goes, and they're like, someday I'm going to be that. And it's right there in the school with them. so that it just automatically moves through. And then when we get into larger productions, um, such as, let's say, if you're at a ballet school and the Nutcracker, you know, is is the annual event that happens. You, the those children are not only performing on the stage themselves, but they're also performing with professionals. Um, so they actually get that kind of experience also. Then, as we get older, um, probably more acknowledged in the college level, and then and then afterwards, there there forms more of that mentor mentee bonding where you actually get to know them as people, and you not you the more experience you get the more you realize that you are not only looking for your mentors and who those people happen to be to assist you with your career choices and and um the paths you might choose to go down um but that you suddenly become a mentor yourself and there are people watching you and and so that that cycle just occurs over and over and over again. And um, it, it's it's kind of fascinating how that works and how I now am at a wonderful place where not only do I have my mentors, but I now men am a mentor for many students at who are children. Yeah. But then I'm also still mentoring my former students who are now professionals and also watching them mentor. Yeah. They all now have a whole new group and and it's we we talk about um our dance, you know, family tree and 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 we we talk very openly about it. Um it is part of our studies in in high school and college and and beyond of of where we all came from, where our studies came from and how those words and studies and techniques get passed down and why they, um, they morph into these other, um, these other styles or, you know, however you would like to put it. And, and we all get to be part of it. It's, we're, we're not excluded from that family tree. We are part of it. And, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of fascinating. Yeah. yeah I think, I mean, it's beautiful. It's kind of, I mean, the word that comes to mind is, is just like, uh, 
lineage or legacy. Very right? much, yeah. And I, I wish the other arts would would take note of that because I think um, I think once you get a, a little bit more established, then you can acknowledge your 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 lineage in, sure. the, in the visual arts. Yeah. But I think at the very beginning, it's like when you're a little bit uh, less secure with the things that you make, it's like you almost you almost want to hide hide your influences, right? Mm. You don't want people to know that you have influences. Why do you feel that that is? Uh, I think that there's a lot of, I mean, I think something in the visual arts that I don't know if it translates over to the performing arts and dance mm-hmm. is uh, that myth of originality. Ah, uh, okay. I, mean, I, I think a lot of visual artists want to be the, like, the first. Okay. Uh, or that, that I don't know, I think something at society, on like a societal level is mm. still, that's still important to be like, you know, the gifted, the touched one. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like nobody helped get me here. It's like I'm just gifted. Right? Yes. Yeah. Um, I talk to students all the time that they, you know, they've been making art since they were little kids. I came to art super late. And so mm-hmm. I, I was, you know, I think I came into art not believing in originality at all. I didn't care. Right. I was, I was trained not as an artist. And so I was actually more interested in areas of overlap with others than... Mm-hmm these areas where I completely wasn't doing anything that anybody else was right. doing. So, um, but I, I do love that, that you shared with us about dance and that, that relationship and, um, and just how, I mean, it just makes me think of like somebody that has a long career like yours in dance, the amount of people that you have or the amount of dancers that you have helped bring up through dance and that impact and then how many people they've mentored. Like, I mean, it's huge. It's this huge... Yeah, I hope so. Effect. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that, I think that when, you know, when you when you decide to become a teacher, you know, they you have to you have to figure out what kind of teacher you want to be, and, and none are none are better or worse, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part. Right. But you know, one of the things that, you know, I think that not only you aren't just teaching art, but you're teaching people how to be good human beings. And, and what does that mean going forward? You know, so one of the things we talk about in my department is not being competitive with others, you know, cheer each other on. That's what though, what that person has as, as a gift or something they've earned, um, is there. So it has nothing to do with you. And, and so why would you not, you know, um, acknowledge what they've done and and then say good for you now this is what i'm working on over here and because my body is unique and my body is only mine mm-hmm. i can do this over here now how can they all work together and so you know we have these very very open conversations um in my program um, and then I have that when I go and teach master classes too like what does that mean to you what does it mean for you to move the way you move and you know, because you're never going to move like I do. Yeah. I'm me, you know, but I'm going to teach you. So we're going to have a similar flow, but that doesn't mean that you are going to look anything like me, yeah. you know, in the, in the big scheme of things, you know, and, and, and then where does, where does that go from there? And how do you become a strong, confident, independent human being who might end up being an artist and then can contribute to our community. Yeah. And that that is, to me, the most important thing because most people are not going to be professional artists um, or they're only going to be professional artists for a short period of time or, you know, two years, five years, 10 years, whatever that happens yeah. to be. Um, 
a lot of people, you know, will flow in and out or simply make the decision not to move forward with it anymore, which is great. Yeah. Do, you know, <laughs> art is hard. So, yeah. um, it, it's, it's, you, you make some unique sacrifices that you might not choose to do. Sure. Um, and, uh, and that's okay. But these people will then remember their, remember their experiences will, create foundations, become fantastic arts advocates, go and see those shows and those gallery openings. And, you know, that, that to me, because here again, now you're creating a community. Why does your community only have to be built of artists? Why can't it be of all the people in the area, yeah. you know, and make them feel fulfilled and part of something? And I think that that's so much more important. It is. Yeah, yeah it definitely is. <laughs> all right, last question I have mm -hmm. for you. What piece of advice would you share with a student graduating or going to school in 2021? Oh, different than... <laughs> is, this, uh, is this a post-pandemic closed down or, a, or just yeah, being say, in the 21st century? Yeah, I think being... Well, I think just being in the 21st century... You know, something that's really interesting about students right now that are... Uh, is this true? 19, 20, mm -hmm. 19, 20 years old mm -hmm. is, uh, nine 11 happened when they were born. Yeah. And COVID happened when they're, you know, graduating high school or starting college and recession when they were in grade and, school. And, and 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 <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. What a, what a like uh, turbulent little life existence they've had. And I think that, you know, one thing I have acknowledged in a lot of art students or seen in a lot of art students is, um, Sometimes they have an adversity to risk. They don't want to take risks. And mm. I think that that's such a crucial part of being an artist is being able to take risk. But I also try to uh, acknowledge the world that they grew up in compared to the world that I grew up in. Sure. It's very different. So with that said, what advice would you give those students? Yeah. Um, I think that Gen Z, you know, if yeah. we're, we're going to get, you know, detailed about, you know, which group. I think you all have this amazing opportunity and capacity to change the world to be how you would like it to be. Um, I have seen such amazing creativity and thought process come out of the students that I have taught in the last uh, 10 years and the ones who are coming up behind, uh, that is very different than, than the, uh, than the creatives that uh, came through in the past, as it should be. You know, you, you should be challenging. You should be raising your hand and saying, I don't agree, um, as we did when yeah. we were, you know, coming up, you know, when we, you know, behind the baby boomers and, uh, and the silent generation. And um, take your knowledge and your strengths and your weaknesses and create your art through that. Don't be shy about it. Say the things you want to say and how you want to say it and listen to the people who are mentoring you and take it all with a grain of salt. <laughs> and um, you are going to be taught amazing, amazing things in school and you're going to discard at least 50% of it. <laughs> and that is okay yeah. um, because you're supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and then move forward with your with your ideas and your philosophies um, because they're strong and they're going to they're going to change the way we do things and and I'm I'm really excited 
to see what what you all bring to the table. That's amazing. I just want to say thank you. Uh, Absolutely. I honestly think that every artist in Arizona needs to reach out and say thank you to you. I think you've done oh. such an amazing job at community building, and it just comes through how supportive you are of your peers in the art, in the arts. And I, mm-hmm. I just think uh, I think the world of you. And oh, thank you, thank so, you much. so much. Thank you, thank you so much for this opportunity. All right, take care. All right, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the absolute very first episode of Who's You the Visual and Performing Arts Podcast from Chandler Gilbert Community College. I want to thank Nicole Olson once again for her time. And next month, we'll be back with an interview with Megan Drivinghawk, a Phoenix-based photographer, poet, and educator. Until then, go and make something. Bye. Bye.